It is 1024 here on Thursday, December 11th, 2019. I'm Kevin Williams. This is the LDS Live Podcast. I must apologize that I haven't done a podcast in quite a while. I've just been busy. One of the things that I'd like to do is get better production, uh, have better production on the LDS Live Podcast. For example, let's suppose you listen. All you hear is me. Now, uh, several podcasts ago, you would actually hear a woman doing voiceovers. She's no longer doing my voiceovers because, A, I have not been able to get a hold of her in a very long time. B, I am no longer doing my show in my Kevin Cave. You know, I used to say, broadcasting from his Kevin Cave and whatever. Here is Kevin Williams. Well, I'm no longer broadcasting from my Kevin Cave. And it's time to update those voiceovers. So that's why you haven't heard it. I'd like to get back into that, but I'd also like to put some music underneath this podcast as well. So that's what I have been doing. I've been doing a lot with Goldwave, which is the software recording this podcast. Now, when I interview people, I actually use a software called Zoom because Zoom actually has a recorder in it. So that's one of the things I've been doing. I've also been doing other things that I can't get into right now, but I can eventually. So I apologize that I have not done a podcast in a while. But I promise you, after the holidays, I'll get back into it. In fact, I plan on, I can't say for certain yet, even though it's unofficially declared, I'm planning on interviewing Ammon Bundy on Saturday. That would be Saturday, December 14th. That'll be a really intriguing interview. Stay tuned for that. All right, so let's get to the podcast. I want to talk about a really cool idea that someone has thought of in conjunction with Light the World. Now, for those of you who don't know, Light the World is a campaign that started by the church, and last year they had what are called giving machines. They're still around this year. The giving machines are in 10 cities. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But the giving machines work exactly like vending machines. You go up to the machine. Let's say you want to give someone a goat in a third world country. Or maybe just a country that's not doing very well. Maybe in Afghanistan or something like that. You put the money in the machine and you specify what it is you want to give. For example, a car, a, a goat might cost you $75. So you'll get this card that comes out in the same place where a drink would come out in the vending machine or a piece of candy. This card will say you gave $75 for someone in need, or uh, you gave a goat for $75 for someone in need, something like that. So Jenny Newman Dye, who can be reached at formerlyfred.com, she has a blog up there, that's formerlyfred, P-H-R-E-A-D.com, and if you go to Patreon, because this is where you're going to get the whole entire podcast explaining proxy giving. Now, I know that there is some explanation on the culturalhall.com, but you'll get more explanation on patreon.com slash Mormon News. Remember, you'll have to subscribe for a dollar a month to hear this podcast because that's where she gets into the majority of it. I'll just summarize it out here so that maybe you don't have to go to Patreon and you can get the gist of what's happening here. You can still go to Patreon, but I'll summarize it right here. Jenny Newman Dye wants to do what is called proxy giving. 
That's P-R-O-X as an X-ray, P-R-O-X-E-Y, Proxy Giving. In fact, you can follow her on Instagram at Proxy Giving Machines. That's Proxy, P-R-O-X-E-Y, G-I-V-I-N-G-M-A-C-H-I-N-E-S, at Proxy Giving Machines on Instagram. So what this is, is if you go there and you follow her and you like what you see, then let's suppose I'm in Michigan. I can't get to a vending machine, but I really want to give something, whether it's a goat, a book, a bottle of water, whatever. I can email Jenny, and her email address is proxygiving at gmail.com. That's, or, I'm sorry, proxygivingmachines at gmail.com. That's P-R-O-X-Y-G-I-V-I-N-G-M-A-C-H-I-N-E-S at gmail.com. What you do is, well, let's just play out a scenario. Let's suppose I go to her Instagram account at Proxy Giving Machines and really like what I see there. And I'm really on to this idea. But again, I'm in Michigan. Let's say I'm in Detroit, Michigan, New York City, wherever. They don't have a giving machine. So I will email Jenny. This is just a scenario now. So I'll email Jenny at proxygivingmachines at gmail.com. Once again, that's proxygivingmachines at gmail.com. And tell Jenny, Jenny, I am very impressed with this. And then let's suppose to make it even more real, I have a backstory. Let's say I knew a refugee from Afghanistan that came over here last year. And this refugee really struggled and is doing better over here. Uh, He has a job and he got married and he's going to school to work his way up in the world and things are going well for him. Yes, he's not financially where he wants to be, but he's a whole lot better off than, than in Afghanistan. And you know what, Jenny, I thought about this, and this really struck a chord due to my experience uh, helping this refugee. So guess what? I'm not in a place where these machines are, so I want to give. Jenny will respond back, whether it be through an email, a phone number, whatever contact information I specify for her to contact me. Then she will give me a Venmo account. And then once I put her account in my Venmo, uh, in my Venmo account, then I can say, I want to give this X amount of dollars. Let's just say I want to give $75 for a goat. So I type in $75. It goes to her account. Now, with my permission, she will A, tell the backstory in a video, and B, video her giving through then uh, giving through the giving machine that with the money that I sent her through the Venmo account. Now, if I don't want her to do that, I will specify I don't want her to do that. Now, let's suppose that you're, and, and by the way, she will respect that. Now, let's suppose that uh, I'm a skeptic. I don't know if this is real, or I don't know if I can trust her, or just I've had bad experiences. She will send me a receipt if I ask her to. She'll take a picture of the receipt and text it in a picture so that I know 
Yes, in fact, this got to her. Now, I think that this is a really neat idea. And I went to her Instagram account on Thursday. Now, I'm sure it's been updated since then, but here is what I saw on the Instagram account. The letters uh, in the word Giving Tuesday, because, you know, remember, there's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday. So the letters in the word Giving are all black except for the letter V, as in Victor. That is red in the shape of a heart. Now, along with that is a picture of a card. This is, again, once again, on the Giving Tuesday post. There's a picture of a card that says, 11 weeks of parental class. Then there's another picture on the same post of a different card that says, Essential Parenting Courses Needed. By the way, this giving machine happens to be in Orem, Utah. In fact, all the giving machines that she posted, at least on Thursday when I went there, were at the University Place in Orem. Now, she does go around the Salt Lake Valley, Utah Valley, quite a bit. So wherever she can give is where she'll be. Whether it's Salt Lake, Orem, wherever. Let's talk about the next card in the same post. It says, Child Abuse Prevention Classes, $60. The next post after Giving Tuesday says, Individual Therapy Session, One-on-One, -on -one, Professional Care, Overcoming Trauma, $90. The next card then says, Therapeutic Book, that is $25. The last card in the post after Giving Tuesday consists of a caption that reads one hour of child care, and that is $9. So, there's a lot there. And I'm sure if you go there now, while you're listening to the podcast or after the podcast, you will see probably a lot of information that's been updated since I went there on Thursday. Let me just say this, though. Do not give Jenny a tip. She does not want a tip for this. And if you do give her a tip, she's just going to use it for more giving. So don't do it. She's very passionate about this. I do not know Jenny personally. However, I can honestly tell you that she is very sincere. And I'm basing this off of the podcasts that I've heard on the Mormon News Report with her and Brant Malone. Now, let me just say something else about Jenny. I don't always agree with her. In fact, I am more conservative than Jenny, both politically and socially. But you know what? This is one of those issues where we can set differences aside. And gosh, if Jenny asked me to help her promote this or help her in person, I would definitely do it. I would not hesitate one single bit to help her in person on this. I think that this is an awesome idea, and it gives a lot of people a chance to give things like childcare, a book, one-on-one -on -one therapy, a goat, whatever is needed. And by the way, for those of you who are going to be giving, uh, there will be volunteers, uh, also known as missionaries, who will be at the giving machines who will assist you if you need it. Now, here are the cities 
The 10 cities that these machines will be in are as follows. Orem, Denver, Gilbert, Arizona, Lay, L-A-I-E, Lay, Hawaii, I believe is what it is, Las Vegas, London, uh, M-I-N-A-L, Minel, Minel, New York, and Salt Lake, oh, Salt Lake City, Utah, and San Jose, California. So if you're in one of those areas, definitely go get a, uh, go participate in Light the World. And it isn't just the giving machines. Light the World, if you go to the church's website, churchofjesuschrist.org, you will actually find a calendar that you can download, and it'll tell you different things to do on different days. Also, if you haven't done this yet, you have a few days to do it, you can opt in and get Light of the World messages. For example, have lunch with someone you don't know. Talk about someone who's Christ-like. Give someone a compliment today. Share scripture with a loved one. All kinds of things. And I think that this is great. And uh, by the way, if you want to share what you've done, just do, let's say, I shared a scripture today, no man can serve two masters. And then you put hashtag light the world. You can do this on Facebook or on Twitter. Or both if you want. Or you could uh, simply share a picture of you sharing a scripture with someone or whatever. Put it on Instagram. Why not? So I want to talk about something else, too. The Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints has films going on at the Legacy Theater in the Joseph Smith Memorial Building. Five of these films will be videos of the Mormon... or Five of these videos will be films of the Tabernacle Choir on Temple Square with their music, and then there will be a message about the Savior in each song. So, for example, Silent Night. You know that uh, whenever they do Silent Night, there's a message about the Savior before the fourth verse, or before, I believe, the third or fourth verse begins. I think it's the third. Something like that will happen uh, in five of these videos. Also, one of the videos will be Mr. Kruger's Christmas which I did not know. I knew that Mr. Kruger's Christmas was a TV program at one point. It was on TV. It was produced by the church. What I didn't know is that it was actually a TV special in 1980. Now, I I seem to remember hearing about my siblings watching Mr. Kruger's Christmas when I was a kid, probably before I went into elementary school. I seem to remember teachers talking about it. But I think it's interesting that it's being that it was produced by the church and formerly known the Mormon Tabernacle Choir is in fact in this video. So that's really neat that it'll be shown on uh, at the Legacy Theater in the Joseph Smith Memorial Building. All right, here comes the issue that I really want to talk about, and this is one of the reasons why I agreed to do the podcast this week. I want to talk about a fifth grade teacher, or fifth grade substitute teacher on November 21st, a week before Thanksgiving. This was in Cedar Hills, Utah. You can find this if you do a search on substitute teacher gets fired from Cedar Hills or Alpine School District. I'm sure if you say, if you Google uh, substitute teacher gets fired, 
in Utah schools. You'll probably find it there. It's an article on the Salt Lake Tribune. I'll put a link to it on the show notes. But here's what happened. On November 21st of this year, a week before Thanksgiving, the substitute teacher asked the class, what are you thankful for? And kids will be kids. Remember, this is a fifth grade class. Kids will be kids. One of them said, I'm thankful for turkey. One of them said, I'm thankful for my stuffed animal. The other said, I'm thankful that we don't have to go to school on Friday. One of the kids said something much more serious. I am thankful that my two dads are adopting me later this month. The substitute teacher then said, why on earth would you be thankful for that? The teacher then went on and said, that's nothing to be thankful for. She also went on and said, homosexuality is a sin, or homosexuality is wrong, and two men living together is a sin. And it didn't stop there. The teacher went on for the next 10 minutes. Meanwhile, the boy said nothing because he was afraid that it would mess up the adoption because apparently he's been, or people have tried to adopt him twice before and for whatever reason, things didn't work out, so he didn't say anything. However, three girls in the fifth grade class spoke up. Not only did they speak up, but they went and got the principal. This teacher, this substitute teacher, was escorted out and still lecturing about the sin of homosexuality. Not only did she get escorted out, but she also was fired from the school district. Or for, Well, no, she was fired from that school. I don't know if she was fired from the district, but I know that she was fired from the school that she was substituting. She was also fired from a temp agent called Kelly Services. I have problems with this whole story. First of all, I think the substitute teacher was in the wrong. As much as I disagree with homosexuality, and as much as I think the best bet for a kid is a woman and a man raising a child or children. In fact, the proclamation of the family backs that up. It says marriage is between a man and a woman and discusses how the best way to be raise children is a woman and a man being the parents, husband and wife. As much as I agree with the proclamation on the family and as much as I disagree with the idea of same-sex couples raising children. I also disagree with how the teacher handled it. Here's what I would have done if I were the teacher, or a few things I may have done, I should say. I would have either just moved on and said nothing, or... I would move on, say nothing, but then after class, I would go up to the kid, or I might have gone up to the kid and said, historically, marriage and raising children has been between a man and a woman. Congratulations on having two loving parents adopt you. 
she would have gotten her point across, and we know this because of the lecture. Or we know this because we 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 would assume this because of being in Cedar Hills, uh, Utah County, pretty conservative. We would assume that maybe there was something behind that, or maybe not. But she would have still mentioned a man and a woman raising kids and how that's been historically. And then I would have just said, congratulations for having two loving parents for adopting you. Happy Thanksgiving. That way, it's not invasive. It's not offensive. You're giving the kid a history lesson and now you're congratulating him for having two loving parents. Perhaps, if I was substituting again, perhaps I would have given history on the family and why I believe it's best for heterosexual couples to raise children. You know, there's all kinds of ways that the teacher could have gone about doing this in a non-offensive way. I do not think that she handled it right. However, having said all that, I have a problem with how the school handled it too. I have a major problem with how the school handled it. What the school should have done is after class, the principal would come in and gave the teacher a verbal warning saying we don't lecture people about morality like this this kid has, and maybe the principal knows a little something about the kid now I understand there's confidential issues that come up I understand that uh, you know you can't divulge what's on the records but you can say this kid has been under a lot of trauma and we, the article did, did mention, well, somebody mentioned that he was a foster kid. Actually, I don't know if the article did, but I'm sure he was a foster kid. Okay, so let's just assume that he was a foster kid. I would have said this kid's been in foster homes, and this kid, he has not had it easy. Be a little easy on them. If you do something like this again, you're suspended from your job. If you do something like this again, after the suspension, you're fired. See, I would have given the teacher a warning. Whatever happened to the days of being innocent before proven guilty? And I have a major problem with the way, and this ties in this does tie into what i'm saying here but actually before i go there let me just say this how come a journalist has not reached out to the teacher or at least not that i know of maybe a journalist has and the teacher didn't comment but how come in this article i don't see anywhere that says we tried to reach out to the teacher or we did reach out to the teacher how come is it because it's the same the homosexual agenda is so one-sided? This is the problem I have. You know, I'd, I'd really like a journalist to do their homework and talk to the substitute teacher that got fired from not only the school, but Kelly Services. Also, 
If this teacher is listening, or if this teacher finds out about my podcast, I would be more than happy to have her on, because there are things that I want to know that the article did not mention. This is irresponsible journalism, assuming that the journalist didn't bother to get a hold of the teacher. But here's another thing that troubles me about this whole entire incident. And that is this. There's a lot of intolerance going on with LGBT people. Not everybody is this way. But enough are, and enough are making noise about it to the point where I'm going to speak up. Because this has gotten ridiculous. Did you remember the incident? Well, there were two incidences. Let's just talk about the one in Colorado, because that's one I'm most familiar with. Remember the same-sex couple in Colorado wanted a wedding cake for their wedding. The baker politely said no. But he didn't just say no. He politely referred the same-sex couple to a baker down the street who would bake a cake. What did the couple do? One of the people lashed out on Twitter in anger, saying, Do not go to this bakery because they did not make my wedding cake. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what she said. Now, this person had every right to lash out at the baker for not making a cake. That was her right. And she had a right to do that on social media as well. In fact, that would have been the best place to do it, where you can attract more people, especially on Twitter. What she had no right to do was to sue this baker. Why? Well, because the Constitution protects you. There's no law that says you have to bake a cake for a same-sex couple. Now, some will ask me, well, Kevin, what if you, as a blind person, want to get married to another blind person and the baker refuses to make you a cake because, gosh darn it, uh, the baker does not think two blind people can get married. You know what my response to that is? Good. Let the baker be honest. If the baker doesn't want me to make a cake, or if the baker doesn't believe that two blind people should get married, uh, you know, let's just say a man, a blind man, me being a blind man, marrying a blind woman, if he doesn't think, or she, if he or she doesn't think I should get married to another blind person, therefore, that baker is not going to make me a cake. Good. Be honest. I'll tweet out on social media. Don't visit this baker. I'm infuriated. But I would not sue the baker. Why? Because there are plenty of people, of bakers, who would, in fact, make me a wedding cake for me and my blind significant other. Isn't that special? Now, someone, now here's the problem. 
the people who are making noise and are squawking about this issue with the wedding cake, and I, I will relate this back to the substitute teacher, bear with me, but the people who are squawking about this would would not be squawking if a baker decided not to make a cake for a white supremacist couple. In other words, you can't have it both ways. What if a baker decides to make a wedding cake for a white supremacist couple? Let's let's suppose, let's go back to the early 90s. Actually, we can even go back to the late 80s, early 90s, to northern Idaho. Let's pretend that I am in Bonners Ferry, Idaho, Maples, Idaho, Hayden Lake, Idaho, maybe Coeur d'Alene. And I'm an Aryan Nations person. And I'm marrying someone in the Aryan Nations. Hey, guess what? A baker refused to make my cake because I'm an Aryan Nation person. I, I, uh, Let's see, we didn't have social media back then. But I get out on the ham radio. I get out on, uh, I, I'm a guest on a talk show. I use every platform that I can think of. TV station, newspaper, ham radio. That was probably the closest thing we had to social media back then. I get out, let's say I'm a computer geek. I get out on CompuServe. I go on AOL, The Source, Genie, all these online services, and just squawk about it. Lo and behold, the news crucifies me. So you can't have it both ways. The baker also has a right to make a wedding cake for a white supremacist couple if he or she chooses. But you're not going to hear anything about that. In fact, if uh, the word got out. Oh, gosh, that baker would be crucified. Now, let me relate this back to the substitute teacher. I, w- I wonder what would happen if I, Kevin Williams, 11 years old, would say, I am thankful. Let, let's just go back to that day, November 21st, 2019, a week before Thanksgiving. Let's say, go back to that day. And I say to the class, I am thankful that a mother and a father are going to adopt me. This is the third chance. This is the third time that someone's attempted to adopt me. It's going to work. It'll last. It'll be later this month. I wonder what would happen if the teacher said, "Well, Kevin, you should be ashamed of that, or you're not tolerant enough, because there are other families out there. There are same-sex couples. There." Are kids that live with their aunts and uncles, there's kids that live with their grandparents. Well, this is nothing to be proud of. What would have happened then? I don't think, I don't know, maybe somebody would have spoken up. Maybe somebody would have gone to the principals, but I can almost guarantee you, I can't quite, but I can almost guarantee you that this principal would not have escorted out the teacher. Maybe the principal would have given the teacher a reprimand, which should have happened in the first place with the substitute teacher. 
See, the problem I have with the LGBT community is they want to have it both ways. They can't have it both ways. That's the problem. Why am I even bringing this up on the LDS podcast? Well, because there's a good chance that this substitute teacher happens to be LDS, given the fact that she was in uh, Cedar Hills in Utah County. But I also see a double standard. And I asked the question earlier, how do you tell somebody in a loving way that same-sex couples raising you or kids is not appropriate? How do you do that in a loving way without dismissing morality, without getting stomped on? I would encourage you to go listen to Elder Oaks, or President Oaks, President Oaks's talk on the Saturday uh, during the Saturday night session. It was a women's session, a general conference in uh, this October 2019. Go listen to that talk. He brings up very good points, and I agree with everything that he said. I know a lot of you liberal, frustrated members of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, have issues with Elder Oaks. But if he is teaching true doctrine, and actually uh, Elder Oaks tried to be very, very loving about it, I think he did the best that he could. And he was loving about it. President Oaks, I keep calling him Elder Oaks. President Oaks did the best that he could. These are very trying times that we are living in. And I think that's even a greater reason to read your scriptures. Be closer to Christ. Do the things that our Father in Heaven has asked us to do here on earth. I'm Kevin Williams. I will be back on Saturday with Ammon Bundy. All things being equal. Everything working out the way it should. I will talk to you later, folks.